But there's a couple things I want to share this morning because I think if we read James in this perspective, I think it will change it. Because I believe he's saying when we put Christ at the center of our life, here's how we get to live. Are you still with me? All right, first thing, live with perspective. Somebody say perspective. I love that word so much. I could preach a million sermons. I feel like I'm perspective. I think it's so powerful. James 3, 13 through 14, he says, our life is a mist. That, that's a pretty common phrase. It means shortness of life. He says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Psalm 102 says, my days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Job 8, 9 says, for we are but of yesterday and know nothing for our days on earth are a shadow. Meaning that they're not solid. They're not locked in. They're not eternal. They're finite. First Chronicles 29, 15 says, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. Anyone ever come face to face with just the fragile nature of life. You don't have to raise your hand. Come face to face with the fragile nature of life. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be morbid, but, but, I, but this is kind of a place I, I just, I, I want to pause. And, and it, it is I think that if anything this weekend should inform our sense of the fragile nature of life, that there are people who, who, who serve in, in the military and the armed forces and, and they have, they have, there's a shift in perspective because they have seen how quickly a life can be with us and be gone. Are you with me? And how quickly that can be. Now for us, we benefit of the freedom of that, but many families have suffered the brutal reality of the fragile nature of that. And I was trying to decide like when to pray, but I just feel like right now, I just want to stop and just pray real quick. Um, just for an honor Memorial Day and an honor of our country and in honor of the people uh, and the families who now live with lives that are sacrificed. So would you just pray with me? Would you bow your head with me this morning? God, we just take a moment right now and we just, we stop everything that we're doing. God, we specifically stop and we remember the lives that were sacrificed so that we might have freedom, so that we might live in this country and worship freely so, God, we pray right now for those families that live with that reality of loss and the fragile nature of life. And we pray comfort for them. We pray peace for them. We pray strength for them. We pray that we would always remember them, God, even beyond Memorial Day, those whose families have paid and people who have paid the greatest price for our freedom. And we thank you, God, that that echoes your heart. That you laid down your life for another. And so, God, we say thank you for those. Would you strengthen? Would you love? Would you encourage? Would you protect in Jesus' name? Everyone said amen. I think that nothing really teaches us the, the, the powerful nature of life as the powerful nature of death, right? There, there's something about the two kind of coming into connection that informs our perspective, right? It's why, uh, you know, immediately following 9-11, all the churches were filled, because most of the time we can pretend that, that, that we're not facing death, that we won't die, that we'll live forever. But, but when we kind of become face to the face of, of, the, of the quickness and, and, and the smallness in these things, it begins to inform our understanding. It begins to inform our approach. And it's not to instill fear, right? Like I don't want anyone to go through life going, well, I could die any second. But it's not to instill fear, but it should 
it should change how I act today, right? Knowing that I am not eternal, knowing that I have a finite amount of time that I can't know or decide, that I don't have a say in, right? Like knowing that it should change how I love my kids. It should change how I, how I care for others. It should change the opportunities I take. See, if I'm arrogant and thinking I live eternally and I live under that perspective, then I function in, in, this, in this weird, fake world of understanding. But if I understand that, that I'm finite, that I'm here for just a short while, that I can't know the future, it does, it's a dual blessing. It removes anxiety over something I can't control, and it gives me more intentionality in the things I can it takes away the fear of what there's no way I can control. So I don't live my life afraid of what's around the next corner. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil of what's in the shadow. But it gives me greater intentionality of what I can control. I can control how I love other people. I can control how I accept other people. I can control how I welcome other people. And I can control how I treat other people. I can control how I serve. I can control how generous I am with what I have. I can control that informs my perspective. We don't know our days, but God does. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written to every one of them, the days that were formed to me, when as yet there was none of them. See, this kind of perspective is why in Matthew, Jesus can say, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we live in the state of anxiety because we're in the perspective of us. We're in our perspective and our focus and our intent. But God's saying, since you can't control what tomorrow will bring, let tomorrow just worry about itself. You've got enough to worry about today. And since you can only face each moment as you go, then there's a release of the anxiety because you get a greater perspective. And so because you have a greater perspective, you have a greater intentionality with your life. I can walk through life in light of my fragile nature, not, not broken by it, not hurt by it, but released by it because I have a greater perspective because it's not me who defeats anxiety, it's God. It's not me who releases anxiety over my future, it's God. God releases it. We put, our, we put Christ at the center of our life, not only do we live with perspective, but we live with purpose. Since life is short and finite, like I just said, it seems a shame to waste it. Right? It's funny. Um, I love TV. A moment of honesty. I love TV. I love TV sports. Honestly, if it's a sport and it's on TV, I will watch it. I don't care what it is. Women's underwater softball, I'll watch it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, desert curling. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'll watch it. I, I, I just love it. And I know it's like you shouldn't have a TV. You should just do this. Like, I'm sorry. I love Internet sports. I, I love those things. Oh, it's all good. What's up, Gillian? <laughs> That's our kids' ministry, serving kids. Random plug. I, I, love, inter I, I love TV sports. I, I love watching. I love watching college football season. It's like you just come over. You can sit with me. We'll, we'll call it discipleship. But we're going to watch college football. I love those things. But a while ago, I found online this thing called a TV time calculator. And it calculated how much, if you've watched certain shows or sporting events over your life, how much time of your life you have spent watching television. And I'm not anti-TV, but... Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, I have, 
I have spent a great amount of time in my life watching television. I know some of you are like, yes, of course. I read a lot of books. That's fine. But I think there was something about realizing, like, how much TV I watch where I was like, I need to dial this back, right? Because my perspective affected my habits in my life where I was like, maybe I won't watch every bowl game since there's 80 of them now, but I'll watch five. And i got to pick out my top five and I'm going to watch those games. Because I think about how many days I was wasting watching The Office for the sixth time. <laughs> Only six? Yeah, some of you are like, let me catch up. But I think about that in other aspects of my life. It translates how many days of my life, how much time of my life have I spent with worry? How many days have I wasted just trying to prove myself to other people? How much time have I spent in my life just trying to measure up? How much time have I spent wondering what my purpose is? How much time have I spent in these other pursuits? Some of us, we kind of swing it the other way. We're not so much worried about it that we kind of just reject the whole thing. Like, well, I don't want to spend all this time pursuing this and doing this and pursuing this purpose and pursuing this thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to swing it totally the other way and I'm just going to not care at all, right? Like, I don't know if you know these people or you are this person that's like, I just reject the rat race so I just float through things. But, like, they know enough Bible to over-spiritualize the results. Like, like they just kind of, like, float through, and it's like, yeah, I'm with this guy. He's not good for me at all. But, like, I just feel like the Lord really wants me to minister to him. The Lord works in mysterious ways. It's like, no, you work in mysterious ways. You do mysterious things, and then you know enough verses that you can apply scriptural meaning to them. But, like, the, I mean, God might work in mysterious ways, but you and I definitely are the mysterious part of the equation, right? And that's the hard part with purpose is we, we kind of go one or either ways. We're either anxious or apathetic depending on the season. When it comes to finding what is my purpose, what am I built to do, where am I directed, who is directing me, what is my path in life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, when we live our lives for ourselves, we have to prove our purpose. But when we give our lives to Christ, he gives us greater purpose. You have purpose in your life. You know, we say here, every life has a mission and every mission has a ministry. I firmly believe in your life. If no one told you this, I'm excited to be the first one to tell you that God created you on purpose for a purpose. You have purpose in your life. Proverbs 16, 4 says, the Lord has made everything for his purpose. You are part of the everything. Galatians 1.15 says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Follow me here. The moment that you choose to follow Christ, God has put an immense calling on your life. It's not situational. It's from him. It's supernatural. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, it's he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan all along before the world began. Another step, but not only have you been called, but you have been gifted and you have been authorized. If you agree, say amen. Amen. I'm going to wake you up this morning because I, I believe this for your life. Too many of us don't believe we're called, don't believe we're gifted, don't believe we're authorized. We think the way that we have been made is a mistake. God did not make you a mistake. He called you. He gifted you. He has authorized you. He has given you a purpose. Amen. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you 
some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kind of blessings. What's my purpose? To use the gifts that God has given me to help others. I, I don't feel like I got charisma, but I got administration. Great. I kind of think administration helps people sometimes a little more than charisma. <laughs> it's usually a lot more. Use what God has given you to bless others. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. See, we all have different gifts. We keep stressing out that we don't have the gift. What, what gift are you looking for? God made you and he gifted you. Romans 12, 6 tells us that we're all gifted by God. He gives us purpose. He gives us ministry. And it goes beyond our situation. It goes beyond our strength. It goes beyond our doubts. You know, I just don't feel qualified to, to do anything in ministry or calling because I grew up in this kind of religious tradition. And I didn't go to Bible school and I haven't been around here for very long. Dude, let me just tell you. Like, your purpose goes beyond your past issues. Your purpose goes beyond whatever degree you think you need to have. Your purpose God gave you because he loved you and he cares for you. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I think sometimes we think of God like some angry bearded man in the sky who's just watching to be like, oh, nope, nope, no, 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 nope. Like, if you, if you party too hard over here, he's just going to, like, just push you down into hell. Like, you know, I just can't deal with this anymore. We think of it like we're trying to prove ourselves to him. And if we could prove ourselves, if we get spiritual enough, then we, then, we're the, then we become these, like, super Christians. Or, like, you know, that, that's a perspective. If we don't follow Christ, we think of Christians as, as, like, they just follow this really mean God who tells them that they can't smoke. Like, that's, like, the summation of the Christian religion. Like, that's it. And I think that what happens is we have this perspective of God. We don't realize that that's not who God is. God is the Abba Father. God, there is nobody in the world that is rooting for you to succeed than God. Some of you need to hear that in your life. There is no, God gave you his a, a, a purpose and he gifted you in his way. There is nobody that wants to see a greater unleashing of your gifting as an individual than God. God is up there. He, God is with you, rooting for you to succeed in the ways that he has gifted you. If you're gifted in hospitality, if that's how God made you to welcome people in, he's not saying like, well, maybe eventually they'll learn enough and they can lead a Bible study or a, a small group or they can go to this thing. That's not how he functions. God is up there and, and, and you're saying, you know what, I feel like God has gifted me with, with really a heart for care. And I have a high mercy gifting and I want to go out and care for people. I may never share anything from stage or I, I might just be a one-on-one -on -one person, but I'm just going to go care for that one person. You know what God is doing? He's not going like, well, eventually they'll get there. He's like, yes, and he's clapping and he's cheering and he's celebrating you and he's rejoicing for you because God is not some angry sky being. He is God Almighty who loves you and cares for you. Get this in, in your heart and your mind because I think it would encourage the purpose. Is that God gifted you, the Almighty God of creation gifted you the way you are gifted to be you. God gifted you to be you. To have a purpose that comes from him. Be who he has called you to be. But see that when we give our heart to Christ, it's no longer trying to prove it, trying to prove our value, trying to prove our talents, trying to prove our abilities. It, it stop trying to prove yourself and just receive the celebration that God's already giving over your life. Father, stop trying to prove that you're a good dad and just receive the love of a heavenly father. 
Just receive that. You don't have to keep trying to prove it. Moms, stop trying to prove online. Like, got to type this thing and do this and do this blog. And your kids can't sleep on the stomach, but it can't sleep on the back. Can't sleep on the side. Got to put them upside down in some new carrier that you got to spend $150 for. And then you got to do all these things to get ready for preschool and get your kid ready and wear the right clothes and get them all here. Like, just stop. God has gifted you and has called you and has prepared you and has anointed you. And you don't have to prove yourself anymore. Are you with me? How many of you would love today to stop right now and just say, I'm going to stop trying to prove myself. I'm going to stop trying to prove to others that I have worth, that I'm worth caring about, that I'm worth loving. And I'm just going to say, you know what, God loves me. And I'm going to walk in that because I love his love and walking in it. Amen. Your purpose is from God. What happens is that we try to fulfill that purpose by our own power. We try to fulfill that purpose by, by us. We try to prove it. I think that, that that's the hardest part, I, I think, in, in any kind of job or any career, any place or anything in life is just trying to prove, prove yourself, trying to measure up, trying to always feel like you're meeting some standard, trying to feel like you're always trying to measure up to some standard. If I go to this town for this time with this prophet, then, then I'm going to have that result. That's, that's my plan, God. And God's saying, what happens when that purpose breaks down? See, my power is unsustainable. I don't know if you guys knew this, but my energy is not a sustainable resource. I get sick for about, I don't know, three days. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I do not have a sustainable resource of power in my life. But God does. If what fuels the goals and vision and purpose for my life is my own power, then what happens if I get sick? What happens if I fail? If your purpose is you defined and not God defined, if your purpose is based on your value, what happens when you fail at something is it begins to speak to your value. Now it's not just that you have, you have, have made a mistake or you tried something and failed. It's now I'm a failure. But there's greater purpose and the greater purpose is birth through greater power. That's why James 3.15 says, if the Lord wills. Paul was kind of famous for this phrasing. Uh, he says, and there's a couple times, right, I will return to you again, God willing. But I will come shortly if the Lord wills. I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But why, why is Paul saying this? He's just trying to be super spiritual because he's writing books of the Bible. Paul knew that when we put Christ at the center of our life, not, not only do we gain and get to live with perspective. Not only do we get to live with a purpose, a purpose that comes from God based on how he's gifted us, but we get to live with power. Power is kind of like a, like a word we used to use in the church a lot, talk about the power, receive the power of God. We kind of got away from it because we got scared that maybe it was being misused. But, but there is a power in a new life of Christ. Right, like that, that's what we believe. There's freedom and power in a new life in Christ. There's not just freedom and release. There's power. You've received something special. Paul was saying, I want to go where God is leading me because I don't want to go there on my strength. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to work through me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to go before me. It's like I need God or I'm not going. This is just, a, this is, this is just being wise. I've seen what happens when I go alone into the Amazon that is my future. Turns out I get bit by snakes and spiders of life, right? Those things live there. They live in the future. Difficult things live in the future. But I've seen what happens. So like Moses, I'm going to say Exodus 33, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring me up from here. 
That's like classic Moses. Moses, I feel like, had the relation, kind of relationship with God that I really idolized. He's like, he would just say things like, God would say, you should go here. And he's like, not unless you go with me. Like, who has that conversation with God? Like, just so straightforward. It's amazing. But he's saying, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring me up. Basically, don't give me goals if they don't come from God. Parenting. God, don't send me into parenting without your presence because it turns out I super need your patience. Right? Marriage. God, we don't want to begin this marriage because I have seen the statistics that tell me about marriage. Don't send me here without you. You might really want to get married, but trust me, you really don't want to have that thing fall apart. He's saying, God, I, I got goals for my life, but don't send me into those goals without your power. And the power comes when he's with you in those things. It's not like you take it from him and then kind of run ahead. It's because you're walking together. God, send me with your power. See, what happens is if we don't go with that presence, if we don't go with that power, then we have a burden on our back and on our shoulders. This is what I talked about at the beginning. Parents, we have this burden. I could get my kid into school. I didn't realize kindergarten was just so crazy, but I, like, have a burden to get my kid into a kindergarten. Like, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was only in the movies where you're trying to get your kid, like, into the right school that fits them and their personality. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is the thing that just, like, bougie white people do. And I didn't realize that's just real life. Either we are now those people, I'm not sure. But I'm like trying to get her into the kindergarten. And I feel the burden, and, you know, and all these things in my life in the future. What does her future hold? Is she going to be safe enough? I think about uh, as we, we couple or as we uh, counsel couples, got to hit these goals, got to do these things for the gram, got to take these trips, got to go on these things. We feel this burden in my work and my life. Have you ever noticed that everyone now is tired? Just me? <laughs> okay, just me. Everyone's like, no, I haven't noticed that. Okay, well, I will be on and us. I'm going to speak for the room. Everybody's always tired, right? Everybody's always tired. You talk to somebody, you're like, how are you doing? I'm tired. They're like, oh, you just came back from vacation. I know, it was exhausting. <laughs> like, what? You just saved up for two years. All we heard was just you're going to go to Hawaii, and you got back, and now you're tired. You're like, I know, I need another vacation for my vacation because the kids. and the, right? Everybody's always tired. We're always exhausted. Why? Because we're planning our lives and our futures and our goals without God at the center. And let me tell you, if you've never encountered Jesus Christ in your life, there's supposed to be freedom, not exhaustion. He doesn't promise that life's going to be easy, but there's a promise of the strength that comes through him. And I get it, life's going to be work. We were created for work even before the fall. We were made to work in the garden, man. Mankind, just, you know, equality. But we were never intended to cultivate in the garden. You know who else was in the garden? While we were supposed to be cultivating and working, you know who was, work, who was there with us? Was God. Even in our informed intent as people who work hard was God. But when we separate from God, when we carry the burden of life alone, and it is a burden, when we carry it alone, when we carry it by ourselves, we're just always going to be tired. Always going to be tired. And James is trying to say, there's a better way. There's a better way than just pushing this life uphill by yourself. There's a better way. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29. I love this verse. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What if you stopped trying to prove your purpose and you just accepted what Christ had for you? I'll invite the band up this morning. What if you stop trying to be the source of strength for everything and you let God be the source in your life? What would happen if you started your day not by trying to get emotionally ramped up or just laying there in bed long enough till your kids finally come drag you out to make cereal? <laughs> but what if you started your day by just seeking the Lord? And I'm not talking about you got to do this Devo and this thing and this Bible. But what if you just woke up and, and you said, Holy Spirit, I need you this morning. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to sustain me. God, you see me more than anyone, so you certainly know I don't got what it takes today. But I need you right now. What would your life look like? What kind of perspective would you have? What kind of purpose would you have? What kind of power would you go through your day with? I'm going to read you a scripture. If you brought your Bible, I, I think it's worthwhile flipping to Isaiah 40, verse 27. It says this, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. When we live our life just pushing uphill by our own strength and on our own power. Again, I, I've lived that life, so I'm with you and I understand here this morning. It, it seems like... The, the way to go, it's the, it's the least, it's saying, oh, well, there's no restrictions, no. but there is. We're trapped by the weight and the slavery of constantly having to prove it and make it, proving that we're making it, proving to others, proving our purpose with our own finite perspective, with our own finite power, we're trapped. When we go into prayer and say, God, I give you my life, maybe some of you for the first time, for those of you that know Christ, say, God, I give you this moment, every moment, God, I give you this moment, I give you this time, I need Holy Spirit, I, I need you, I need your strength, I need your perspective, I need you to reinform my purpose, the value you've put in my life, I need you. When we do that, we live with his perspective, we live with his purpose, we live with his power. The burden that's too heavy to bear is made light by his strength not by more of our strength. And so when we lay it down, we walk with his perspective, with his purpose, with his power that we received from him. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you a question this morning, and if you need to close your eyes to focus, that's fine. That helps me too. If you could separate your life today and have just kind of watch two distinct paths. And one path goes this way and one path goes this way. This path, you're going to go and you're going to leave with the same perspective. You're going to leave with the same sense of purpose. It's going to be predicated on your established identity through, through the things spoken over you in your past. And 
you're going to leave today with your power. You're going to go this direction, and you're going to walk under your strength. The other direction is instead, I'm going to lay my life down and choose to follow Christ. Whether for the first time or even in this moment. So I'm going to leave with a perspective that comes from a God who knows the future, so it releases anxiety. I'm going to leave with the purpose that comes from the identity that is God-founded, not based on what people spoke to me. I'm going to leave with the power that comes through the Holy Spirit supernaturally, not my own power. If you were to take those two things and you were to walk down a road and you were to encounter those two different lives five years from now, which life do you think, though they may be faced the same troubles and the same trials and the same tribulation and the same difficulty and the same bumpy road and the same things, which one do you think is producing more joy? Which one do you think is living with more purpose? Which one do you think is exhausted, tired, worn out, beat down? Or which one do you think, though they, they face the things of the world, somehow have a supernatural strength? Which one do you think is more burdened. And every day we have a choice. Which one am I going to be? Am I going to go here with my perspective, my purpose, my power? Or am I going to go here when I lay my life down to Jesus with his perspective, his purpose, and his power? Can I encourage you that when you make the choice to go to this one, it's awesome. It's still difficult. Still, for the sake of the example, the Amazon, there's still things that are there that are brutal. But you live with God's perspective, God's purpose, and God's power. What would your life look like if you put Christ at the center? You said, I'm going to choose to follow you with that strength. What would it look like? Which life do you want? I can't decide that for you. That's a decision for your heart. But I think some of you, God is asking, which life do you want? Do you want the one with your perspective, your purpose, your power, or the one with mine? Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to close our eyes this morning. If you're in this place and you've never made that decision, and this morning you're thinking, you know what, I've walked down this path with my perspective, my purpose, my power. What I really love is to walk down with the love of Jesus Christ. What I love about the path with his perspective, his purpose, and his power is that it's just lined. The streets are just lined with grace. They're just lined with mercy. It's just everywhere. Grace, mercy, love. You can see it. It's, it's bright. It's luminous. It's accepting. It's welcoming. You might not have felt welcomed into a church before. Let me tell you right now, from this church and from the gospel, the gospel is welcoming. And Jesus welcomes you. So in this place, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm just going to ask you, if you've never made that decision, no one's looking around, I really believe this is a, is a choice moment for you. But if you've never made that decision to follow Christ with your life and you're saying, today, I'm going to choose to let, take me off the throne, I'm going to choose to follow Christ with my life. I don't know all the answers, I don't know what it holds, but I'm going to follow him. I want his perspective, purpose, and power. If that's you. For the first time, would you just lift your hand up so I can see you this morning? I want to pray with you. If that's you and you made that decision this morning, I want to pray with you. You all could just pray in agreement with me. That'd be great. Well, this morning, God, I pray for every person that's made that choice in this place. 
who said, I choose to follow you with my life. I choose to step out of myself on the throne of my life and to put you on and to choose to follow you with all that I am. I give you my life. I lay down my heart. And though I don't know all the answers, I say, Jesus, would you be my Savior? Would you be my King? I give my heart to you in Jesus' name. Amen. My very last thing before you leave this morning, before we, uh, I know we have announcements, all this stuff, but I just feel like God really wants to release some people this morning that you feel like you've had to be the strength for everything, that you've had to have the vision. And, and so there's just, there's a weight, there's a burden. And you're just saying, and you're willing to say this morning with, with just to raise your hand, I just want to release the burden that's on my shoulders and give it to Christ and just walk with his perspective, his purpose, with his power. If that's you and you're saying, I just, I want to release that burden this morning. Would you lift your hand? I'm going to raise my hand too. I want to release it this morning. I want to pray for you before we go. Just lift it high. Just give it to him. You're not lifting it so I can see it. You're just lifting it to the Lord as an act of surrender. I'm going to pray for you. God, this morning, you see these hands raised. You see the people in this church. You see the burdens that are on their shoulders. And so this morning, God, I pray with every hand raised, we're just saying to you, God, here I am. God, I'm taking myself off the throne. I'm putting you on. God, if there's anything in my heart that I've put between you and me, God, I just repent of it. I remove it. I, I receive you in a fullness into my life. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for your supernatural power over every life. For every hand that's raised right here, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit will begin to fill you and strengthen you, that you don't have to feel like you have to measure up, that you don't feel like you failed if you've done this, that you don't have to feel overwhelmed by the future or anxious about the days to come, but just to release that to Him. And right now, we just pray, Holy Spirit, strengthen, encourage, empower in the name of Jesus. We receive your truth in the name of Jesus over every life. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.